This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, Tank Girl, Miriam Jouar. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Jouar, and today is August 28th. 2019, that's Wednesday, and my guest is Roberto Baldwin of Engadget. Hi, Roberto. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you doing today? I'm really great. So as you know, folks, uh, those of you listening, and I know Roberto already knows this, I do record these shows pre-recorded while I'm at Burning Man, and I figured having Roberto on would be a great opportunity to talk about cars. So I'm warning you, today's show is all going to be about electric cars, uh, car technology, you know, all that advanced driver assist systems, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, probably not going to be any smartphone news in here, just letting you know, please don't skip the show though. I think you might enjoy it. Roberto is a goldmine of experience and knowledge when it comes to EVs. He's driven almost everything, right, Roberto? Uh, Sure. Mostly it's fool's gold though. Is it? (laughs) So um, you saw the list of topics. You have an idea what we want to talk about. I kind of want to go over this past year and discuss like kind of where are we at with EVs, you know, now that the Model 3 is well established. I mean, you can easily Mm -hmm. buy one. They're available everywhere. You don't have to pre-order or wait in advance. A year ago when I got mine in early July 2018, it was kind of hard to get one. I, I was still on a waiting list when I got mine and I got, you know, the email and all that stuff. So where, how have things evolved in your opinion? I, I you know, gave you some names of cars that we could talk about, but I'd love to hear your general take to start with. Well, you know, love or hate Tesla, and it's really not Tesla, love or hate Elon Musk. Tesla really pushed all the automakers to, to to start actually delivering EVs. And so this year has actually been a really good year. We have the I-Pace, we have the e-tron, we have the Kona, we have the Nero, we have all these like more than 200 mile EVs that are available for just regular folks. So if you don't want to buy a Tesla, if you're thinking, you know, I want something that's a, a bit more you know, mainstream, you can go out and buy a Kona EV, which is a great car. You can go out and buy a Nero EV, which is a great car. There's And, and you know, you can get a Chevy Bolt, which is also a very good car. So it's, exactly. it's a great time yeah. in the EV world. Yeah, no, I feel that way too. Um, the There are a few things that are kind of striking me though. Um, I'm really excited about the Kona and the Nero. So that's the Hyundai mm-hmm. Kona and the, the Kia Nero. These are kind of sister cars in many ways in terms of technology. Um, which one is the smaller of the two SUVs? It's the Kona that's bigger, yeah? Actually, the Kona is smaller. It's, it's so it's a the Nero that's smaller. bigger. It's the Nero that's bigger. So the Nero... See, these two cars have me sort of... Uh, I, I'm, I'm back and forth on these two, on which one I like better. I actually... You know, I'm just going to say I like the Kona better because it's sportier. It's it's a bit more fun. I like the the design. It's a bit more out there than the Nero. But the Nero, even though it has a, has a little bit less range than the uh, Kona... Is it's bigger, so there's more legroom in the back. It rides better. There's more, you know, there, there's more cargo space. And so, if you're like a family, you know, the Nero is a great little car. If you're, you know, on the younger uh, end, or if you don't have a family, the, you know, the Kona might be the one you like. Yeah, you know, the reason I'm bringing those up, and you also brought up the Bolt, which is an older EV now, but it's still around and relevant for these three. I think are really relevant for one reason and one reason only in my opinion it's that they all have a very decent range for the price Mm 
and uh, all have support CCS fast charging, right? Mm -hmm. So those yes. are, you know, to me, that's the thing that I think a lot of people don't really understand. Have you noticed a lot of people don't understand EVs out there? <laughs> I mean, it's it's, it's, well, it's, 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 it's confusing. I mean, there's, there's multiple, just in this country, there's three different charging <laughs> You know, you got you have the Chatamo, you have the Lauda Two, you have the CC. You, you got all three of these different charging, and for the average person, they're like, well, like, uh, what? I just go and I get gas, and it's one hole, and it's one spout that goes in the hole, and that's it. Unless you're getting a diesel, right? And so that right there just creates a confusion for people when they're trying. Unless to Unless like, you own a Tesla, in which case it's pretty easy. You just go to supercharging, call it a day. Yeah, then you just go to the, the supercharging. Um, but, but let's talk about that because you see, I think this is the thing that I get, like the common mistakes I get from the average person who says, oh, you have a Tesla is like a lot of people think, don't understand the difference between a battery electric car and a hybrid electric car or a plug-in mm -hmm. hybrid electric car. So the hybrid electric car obviously is like, you know, the Toyota Prius is the, the kind of the the reference point, right? Everybody knows what a Prius is. And the Prius yeah. comes in two flavors. There's a plug-in version and a non-plug-in version. But both of them are hybrids. They have a gas engine that supplements the electric motor. And they have a very short range for electric only because um, really this designed for the, these two to work together. Mm -hmm. And you get good, basically you get great fuel economy on your gas because you are able to recharge a battery pack when you brake and when you do it downhills that then, you know, that energy is used back to kind of push the car a little faster and when you accelerate. And that's mm -hmm. the, the concept of a hybrid. But it makes it very complex because you have a full gasoline car and on top of that, a battery and electric motor and some electronics. So it's like having a battery electric car and a gasoline car merged together, hence hybrid. And so mm -hmm. then plug-in hybrid is basically a hybrid that ha you happen to be able to also be able to plug into the wall so that you can start with a full charge every time. And maybe you can do the first 10 miles from your house to the freeway on pure electric because you're just driving in traffic jams and slow and stuff. And then, mm -hmm. of course, Teslas were kind of the poster child of how to make an electric car that's a battery electric car properly. And I mean by that, that Nissan made the Leaf. That was probably the first popular EV in the US. And it had a lot of issues. It had very short range, 100 miles or so when it first came out. And it had issues with cooling and heating so that you can't really use it in warm and cold climates because the batteries are not temperature controlled. And that's still the case with the Leaf. That's the big reason why I don't recommend the Leaf to people. Even the Leaf Plus nowadays has a range of 200 or so miles, but it's not quite there yet in terms of technology. But the Chevy Bolt, the Kona, the Nero, these cars we're talking about that are newer EVs, the big difference is that their range is still pretty good, 200 miles, and there's, of course, no gasoline of any kind here, so it makes it very simple. It's like basically like an RC car, like a remote control electric car. It's like a battery, a motor, and some electronics very easily. And they have good range, but they're really affordable, right? They're $30,000, $35,000 all day long, correct? Yes. So and yeah, so it's 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 the idea that you can get a car, and it's funny because Tesla created this sort of thirty-five thousand dollar like price point. They created right. it and never and, really and, you know, met it in a way. Yeah, and they met it for like a week, and but it's difficult, especially for a new company to make a car. And to be fair, that the you know the Model Three is is you know it has a lot more tech. All the hardware on there, especially for the autopilot stuff, makes it a very expensive car to build. And that's how Tesla builds them. Tesla builds them. Here's all the things, and then you can pay extra either 
you know, when you purchase it or later on in order to get this autopilot stuff. But that hardware is still there. So it makes it a very expensive car to manufacture, especially when you're a new, a new automaker. Hyundai and Kia and Chevy, on the other hand, they've been building cars for decades. They know what they're doing. They know, you know what, the people who are going to buy these cars, they're going to want you know, some adaptive cruise control, maybe a little bit of lane keep assist. But for the most part, they just want and a car to get around. blind spot detection, you know, basically yeah. the stuff you see on a normal modern car today. So they're exactly. really, they feel, the nice thing I think about these three cars, the Kona Nero and Bolt, is that they use a lot of the advantages that Tesla make Tesla great, meaning uh, you know liquid cooled and heated batteries. Um, they have good range, two hundred miles plus. They have uh, and they have fast charging support, uh, which is something we should talk about a little more because that's the tricky parts. You know, really, what are the three standards right now? There's supercharging, which is unique to Tesla and is really, really fast, but only works with Teslas. And it's kind of like their connector and it's their thing. Then there's J1772, which is level one, level two, basically slow charging. It's the, the, the kind of horror stories you hear about people having to charge EVs for overnight and stuff. It, they come from that. And those are very prominent. You can find these stations almost anywhere. And basically on level one, you're just, you're not even using a station, you're just plugging into a wall socket. Yeah. And then there is CCS and, you know, Chattermo and others, but basically I, I think Chattermo is not worth mentioning. I think CCS <laughs> is, is the up and coming. You it know, is. it's it's the up and coming. I don't want to confuse people, Roberto. What do you think? Should I should I even bother? Well, I mean, if you're going to get a Nissan Leaf, you're going to be stuck with Chatamo. That's the. But I already told them not to get a Nissan Leaf. We already covered the Nissan Leaf. We already said yeah. don't get the Nissan so Leaf. So CCS, yeah, it's it's you know it's if of, of all the EVs, I mean, I think the least the Leaf, you, like you said, is probably right. the least intriguing for for anyone to buy. It's also very very boring to drive. Yeah, it's it like a, a Prius. It's like an appliance. It is. Um, so so CCS is like a new standard that's very popular in Europe. In fact, the Tesla's the new Tesla, like the Model Three in Europe, use CCS by default. Um, and CCS is the high speed DC charging for the rest of the world. That's not Tesla, basically, un unless you're in mm -hmm. Europe. And then, um, those stations are being rolled out. There's more and more of them. It's still pretty hard to travel long distances on a car that only has CCS, but supercharging is really quite commonplace. Like I drive my Tesla Model 3 up and down the West Coast all the time. I've driven inland in California and in Oregon, which where my two residences are located. And I've found superchargers pretty much every 150 miles, no matter what. And, you know, that's the other big difference. Like we're talking about 200 plus mile range to be kind of a good number for a modern EV today. Tesla start at 245. That's the cheapest Model 3. But mine is like the, basically the, the normal, the normal range and it's 325 and then mm -hmm. the highest range tesla i think is the latest new model s it's 370 or something like that right it's, it's a so lot. most teslas are in the 300 range which is why people another reason why people like them is this and buy them is if they can afford them is not only do you have this great network of ch fast chargers that charge your car in about an hour um almost fully in an hour, you never remember. You never have to go to zero, right? Otherwise, you'd be stranded on the side of the road. So you have to always think of when you charge an electric car, the lowest you're going to charge it from is maybe ten or fifteen percent, you know. And so to get a charge that goes from ten, fifteen percent to about ninety, ninety-five percent, because the last five percent takes forever. It's like your smartphone, you know. It slows down at the end when it charges. So you really that range is really, you know, you only really get eighty percent of your usable range. So when the car is rated three hundred twenty-five miles, like mine, you're really getting about three hundred miles of range, practically speaking, or a bit less than that. So when it's rated two hundred miles, you're getting a hundred and something miles of range, like one hundred eighty, something like that. So 
you know, if you think about most gasoline cars have a range of about three to 400 miles on a tank. And so what we're looking at with the Tesla is exactly that, which is, I think their advantage is that charging network that's everywhere, that's fast, that's, that's, but that custom. And then those, those good ranges that by default, when you buy a Tesla, you generally get 300 miles unless you buy the cheapest model three. And so, you know, if CCS becomes a more commonplace, as commonplace as supercharger is, then buying a Kona or a Nero or a Chevy Bolt would make a lot of sense to completely replace a gasoline car. Right now, it's a little hard sell if you want to do long distance driving, right? Wouldn't you say? No, it's true. I think the you know the Tesla supercharger network is, is is actually that company's a killer app. It is that know, the, and, the, and the, autopilot, I think, and uh, software. Uh, the, the ability to 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 take an electric car, and you know, I've driven I drove a Model Three from here to CES um, in January, and really, I had no issues. And if I wanted to adjust, you know, the, you know, the, the navigation told me, oh, you can stop here and here and here. And I went, oh, you know what? I'm going to stop here and here. And every time it would adjust, you know, where I should stop along its route, you know, and, and, you know, it's a long drive. You stop for like 30 minutes, 40 minutes, just kind of relax. You know, it's a long day anyway, cause I'm doing, um, you know, this, this, you know, this 12 hour horrible drive down, you know, interstate five and then up through the desert. And it was fine. If, if I were to have a Kona EV or the Nero EV or the Chevy Bolt and do that, that would be a stressful experience because because there's because there's a lack of CCS chargers right now. There is there 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 are not enough chargers, and the ones that are there end up being used. So if I'm driving, let's say I did the exact same drive with the Kona EV, you know, let's say I find okay, here's the CE, you know, here's here's the chargers that I can go to, and I get there, and there's only like three or four of them per spot. That means I'm waiting in line, which is something that I end up having to do when I'm reviewing uh, cars here in San Francisco with with DC fast chargers is that I go to where a DC fast charger station is, and there's typically a line of other cars, usually Chevy Bolts, waiting to use that fast charger. So I, okay, well, this is not a great experience. And so here's the thing, Roberto. In my Tesla, I've only had to wait once at a supercharger, and I waited three minutes. And I want to say that I have about 15,000 miles on my Tesla after a year of driving. And most of that have been highway miles up and down the West Coast. Mm -hmm. So it is almost impossible to ever get in a situation on a, in a Tesla where you have to wait at a supercharger. It was like some holiday weekend in California at a pretty busy supercharger that already had like 16 stalls and they were all used up. You know what I'm saying? Like it was... Mm -hmm. It was like this kind of fringe case, but that's the yeah. thing. And, and, and that's what makes the difference. So now that doesn't mean that these Kona, Nero and Bolts aren't good cars for commuting. Uh, if you live in the Bay Area, you know, these cars are great. You could go to Point Reyes, no problem from San Francisco. You can go from San Francisco to San Jose and back for like a conference or something and still have plenty of miles and you can plug it in your house outlet overnight and maybe recoup that in a day of just sitting there if you're not commuting every day. For people like us uh, who work from home, right, it's like no big deal if we have to wait a few hours at home to, to top off, right? Like mm -hmm. I find that for my Tesla Model 3 when I'm in San Francisco, I don't plug it in because I live in an apartment. So I use public charging stations or I use superchargers. And superchargers, basically, I, if, you, if I'm very low and I want to get a full charge, like a, as close to a full as I can, I go to a supercharger, I pay the money for it. But most yeah. of the time, what I end up doing for, for just to need like 20 or 30 mile top off, there's a Volta charger near my house. Volta is a company that provides free slow charging, level two charging. Um, but it's not that bad. You can get 
about 40 miles per hour charge, 30 to 40 miles per hour charge, and they let you charge two hours at a time. And they have a bunch of stalls near my house and down at the bottom of Potrero Hill in the the kind of Soma Mission Potrero area there uh, at their headquarters. And it's free. Get this, free charging, because they're, 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 they're advertising base. That's how their revenue method works. They, they have ads on these pylons that they have the chargers on. And I don't even watch the ads, to be honest with you. And I get free charging. It's great. <laughs> well, I mean, they don't force you to the... watch them. Yeah, they're like holding you, holding your face. Look at it. You um... should go there, Roberto. If you ever need to charge a car, this is a good place to do it. All right. Yeah, it's, you know, and that's the, the, the sort of, if you're the, if you are like someone who commutes, um, and, you know, most people don't do a lot of road trips. You know, road trips right, have kind exactly. of gone, are, are sort of passe. And so a lot of these EVs work for most people. I mean, for me, if I were going to buy an EV right now, it would be a second car and it would be the e-golf. I love the yep. e-golf. It's a golf. That's an EV. It has 123 miles. It's not a lot. I'm not well, going to yeah, do road trips with the e-golf. It's a great car. It drives so well. It drives just it like drives a golf. It drives so great. I love that car. And my biggest concern is that the ID whatever version, you know, the ID hatchback won't be yeah. as good as the e-golf. <laughs> no, I think it'll be better. Because remember, so. it's primarily going to be sold in Europe. And Europeans, they know how to, they, know, they like cars that handle and drive really well. Yeah. Um, and that's one of the things about the Teslas that is nice. Yes, they're more expensive. Yes, they have all this technology. And yes, they have this great range and the supercharger network. But it's not just about that. The driving experience is, I mean, it's definitely a premium luxury sedan, sports sedan driving experience. Even the cheapest Model 3 drives like a dream. And it's night and day compared to these other ones we're talking about. Even the e-Golf, which I think is really good. But the e-Golf... If you've driven a Golf, it's a really solid car. It's a fun car to drive, whether you buy the base Golf or the Golf R, which is an all-wheel drive, 300 horsepower turbo monster, which I used to have before I had my Model 3. And and basically, you can't go wrong with the Golf. And it's really nice that even though the Golf, e-Golf, the electric one, is a little long in the tooth, it's an older car and doesn't have the best range. That's what is it, 150, 100, 120? What is it? The, the newest one is 123. Three, I believe. Yeah, and that's a little on the low side, but it drives so yeah. well. And if you're just commuting, it's great. The point I was trying to get to, though, is that if you own any EV, you know, if you live at home like we do, even in an apartment where you can't plug into a wall, it's easy to find charging sometimes for free uh, to top off. And in Portland, where I have a house with a driveway and stuff, I plug into just 110. I thought I was going to buy a level two charger, Roberto. I never did. Mm -hmm. I just got lazy and I was like, I'm like, I drive 10 <laughs> miles a day, right? I drive 10 or 20 miles a day for running errands. And I plug in and four hours later, I'm back to top, right? Because yeah. it's five miles per hour, the super slow charging. So honestly, it's never been an issue. And then if I really need fast charging, you know, as I said, supercharger. So, you know, you're right. I think most people, first of all, number one, most people are well served with all the existing EVs for commuting. And second, I still think that, you know, you say, you know, you wouldn't road trip on an EV, but I feel that that's going to change very soon. I think there are it's very feasible to commute long distances like I do between two residences or to do road trips with an EV that has good range and good uh, charging network infrastructure. And right now that's only Tesla, really. But we, let's talk about the future a little bit. That's about to change, right? Isn't Volkswagen as part of its diesel scandal, um, you know, uh, penalties, as it were, building out a super fast CCS charging network for us? 
They are. They, um, it is called Electrify America. It is there. It is part of their penalty. But you know what? I, I talked to them. Um, I don't even remember what auto show I talked to them about. I think it was Geneva. And they were saying that, you know what? This is actually, yes, this was part of something because we did wrong. And, you know, Volkswagen has been very vocal about, and, and about apologizing for what they've done. But they, but they also said, you know, this is part of, this is, this is something that we did wrong. This is part of our punishment. But this is actually, it seems like it's going to be a really good business for us. So, you know, as, as the Electrify America network, you know, builds out and, you know, they're very, they've been very, um, they're very bullish on, on, on moving as quickly as possible. I think that that sort of concern of the Konas and the Neros and the Chevy Bolts and the, you know, whenever, you know, the IDs, when they come out from Volkswagen, that 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 long distance that road trip anxiety that you have with those cars because there isn't an infrastructure really right now that's going to disappear yeah and i'm living that life right now folks and i'm telling you it's amazing it's amazing and don't get me like in and i think a lot of listeners know this because you've listened to the show many times i'm a car enthusiast i love cars i like gasoline cars i like to shift my own gears of course i don't get any of that in the tesla because there's no, there's no transmission it's a single gear um, and so, you know, I do miss that involvement sometimes that I have in my, my other cars, you know, that a stick shift and the noise, of course, this can be fun if you have like a, a fun, uh, you know, rumbly engine and stuff, uh, or a high revving engine is also fun too. But, you know, the comfort, the quality of the experience, at least on my Tesla for these long distance road trips, it's super quiet, super comfortable, super fast. Like it's telepathically fast. You drove one to CS, you know what I'm talking about. It's like you see a spot on the freeway, you want to be there, you just, you are there. You teleport yourself there. It's basically it is, what it's it is, like. Yeah, it is. An EV torque is amazing. And even on the, the Kona and the Nero, it's a fun, you know, you, you hit that, you put it in sport mode, you... You, you slam on that accelerator and you're gonna go. I mean, it's not it's it's not as fast as the Model Three. The Model Three is the best driving Tesla. Period. To me, it's the best Tesla as the Model Three. I agree, it's the best uh, Tesla. Absolutely, no doubt about it. The Performance Three is is the master. Yeah, and if you you know, but but EV torque is amazing. And if you're one of those people who is just like, well, it's not the same as a gas engine. It's not you know, you know, try if it. you're poo pooing it, try it. I and I'm a huge proponent of 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 EVs, even though I love you know we we have a a BRZ, which is just a car. Did <laughs> you have a mini chances. countryman? We with had a, a stick mini countryman a with a stick. We had the BRZ with a stick. Um, I am I am one of those car purists. My first car was a '69 Datsun Roadster, which was wow, just the, car. That's that an amazing like, car, by the way. Yeah, the 1600. Yeah, uh, the 2000. Oh wow, With the two liter engine. Liter yeah, nice. yeah. You could spin the wheels into third gear. <laughs> it was just so the car. BRZ is kind of giving you that experience again, huh? Yeah, but at, at the same time, an EV is an amazing car, and you shouldn't you should not you know sort of like turn your nose up at it because you're a petrol head. You should definitely just get in one, embrace, drive it, embrace it. it, it yes, you won't be able to shift gears, but you're, you're, when you, when you feel that torque, negative. Yeah, yeah, when you feel that torque almost everywhere in the power yeah. band, you're going to be happy. And with cars like the E-Golf that have very good, well-sorted chassis that really handle well to start with, or like the Model 3, which is an exceptional handler, uh, best, better than any Tesla, in my opinion, you have this battery on the floor of the car, weighing down the car. It's like 
I used to have a Porsche Boxster S 2001. Mm-hmm. I just sold it recently. And I'm actually uh, shopping for a new Porsche now. I mean, not a new, new, like a newer to me Porsche. I'm going to take my time, but I figure a year or two, I'll get another one. But that Boxster S is a mid-engine car. The car, the engine is right behind the seats. It's kind of the ultimate kind of sports car layout. And my my Model 3 outhandled that Boxster because the center of gravity is so low. And it's 50-50, perfect weight distribution. I don't have the performance Model 3. I have the rear-wheel drive, high, mm-hmm. uh, you know, long range, whatever it's called, the one that, that's 325 mile. And so it's rear-wheel drive. You get that rear-wheel drive driving experience. You know, you can get the tail to go out a little bit if, you, if, you, if you're a little um, sporty with it. And then, you know, um, it has really good f- steering feel. It feels like a very well-sorted sports car. Yeah, okay, my Boxster has better steering feel for sure, just a little bit because it's mm-hmm. hydraulic and it's old school. But I think the Tesla is very good, and you can't, you know, you can't, you can't understand it until you try it. And and when you see how well these cars handle, at least you know the the ones that are more drivers' cars, and you see, then you get the torque. It's just you know magnificent, and and yes, you don't get your shift gears, and that's a little bit of a of a miss. I feel like I'm definitely more engaged when I even when I drive my old Volkswagen camper van, that stick shift. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely more engaged because you know there's no driving assist. I have to think of everything, you know. Yeah. Um, and and it's kind of interesting, but I feel like, you know, those of you who are car enthusiasts, you owe yourself to check them out, and and they're coming down in price. That Kona, that Nero, the Chevy Bolt, and the E Golf are all much more affordable. And you know, yes, there's some compromises there. You don't get software updates over the air. You're going to get autopilot. You don't get the supercharging network. But the CCS Electrify America network is coming, and again, these. The ones that have a 200-mile range, I think, are very suitable even potentially for some road trips, for limited road tripping. But the future is 300-plus-mile range with a wide uh, network for charging. At that point, you'll be able to abandon your normal cars and use EVs every day. I'll give you an example as well. When I'm in San Francisco, where I don't charge at home and I I rely on third-party charging infrastructure... um, or or you know or or Tesla superchargers. I often because I work from home and I drive 10, 20 miles a day. I often charge every two weeks, like at a supercharger. If I don't have time to go to the Volta charger near my house or it's full or something, people like you know how you drive your gas car and you you, you don't you don't drive it much. Sometimes you don't fill up for a month. It's exactly the same. Like it is really amazing how much range. How, how much range makes a difference in the ownership of any vehicle. And I think with EVs, that to me is probably my number one variable if I bought an EV. I mean, other than I have to like the way the car drives and feels and looks, I would want range number one, charging network number two, and then I'd want like the autopilot ADAS uh, assist features. And and along with that, I need software updates. Once you've lived with a Tesla where you get a software update every two weeks pretty much on the spot, and literally my car has like at least a half dozen more features, some of them very useful uh, in the last year that I've owned it. For $0, you know, you'll, you'll never go back. Like you want, it's, it's like your iPhone or your Android phone. It gets software updates. Of course you want that, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's difficult when you, you know, when you know, someone can show up with a Model 3 and be like, oh, now I have this. Oh, now I have this. Oh, now I have this. And, it, and, and I feel and, that and, not, and just like your phone, you know, some of the some of the features that come, you you'll use once or twice. You might never use them again, but they're there and they're free. Yeah, <laughs> and that 
and and you know the the automakers are getting wise to this. You know, Mercedes is, undo, is doing software, going to be doing software updates. Audi, BMW, everyone's moving towards software updates if they don't already have them. Uh, Zero Motorcycle, they have software updates now, over-the-air software updates on their latest motorcycle, the SRF. And so this, I mean, this idea of like, oh, by the way, your your vehicle just got better because it is connected to the internet is 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 huge. I mean, the other things you have to understand is, is and this is available in other cars too, but as soon as you have an LTE connection in your car, your car is internet connected, not only can you potentially have software updates, which sadly not too many manufacturers other than Tesla are doing, it's starting to happen, but it's still, it's still one of my biggest beefs with other EVs. Uh, but the other thing you get is you get access to an app. So you can, you know, control your car remotely. Like, oh, did I close the windows? Oh, I should uh, turn on the AC so the car doesn't overheat while I'm grocery shopping. Oh, you know, uh, let me pop the trunk remotely for for you or whatever. All that stuff. And you're going to say a lot of cars support that. But Tesla went one step further. They, The key is optional. Like, you, you have the access to key fob if you want to buy it or a little credit card size key thing nfc card thing but you can pretty much do everything from the phone and if you have your phone in your pocket and it's paired with your car you know you just walk up to the car and it works and it used to be a little wonky in the early days but it's so reliable now i use it both on android and ios you know it works and like i i would say 99.9 percent of the time every now and then if i just rebooted my phone it hasn't connected via bluetooth to the car yet and i have to wait like 10 more seconds for the door to open but um i've really had no issues with that so that's another future you're you're going to be starting to experience from, from other manufacturers is this concept of your phone's your key and everything's connected and like you know when i'm like when we decide to run errands like I'd be like, hey, honey, where where is that um, store we're going to? And I type in the name of the store in Google Maps on my phone, right? And then, mm -hmm. you know, I, sh I go share to my Tesla and it sends the address to my Tesla. Like, and then when I get in the car, the car is ready to navigate there. Like, things like that. Like, once you've lived with them, you never want to go back to a car that doesn't have that. Yeah, it's difficult to sort of, like, back up from that. And you're going to say, well, what about Android Auto and CarPlay? Well, Tesla doesn't have that. And honestly, I don't feel like I miss it. I, I feel, honestly, I'm not, I've never been a big fan of either CarPlay or an Android Auto. Um, I always feel like it's just not the best experience. Yes, it's consistent across cars. That's the nice thing about it. And even then, it's not always because some cars don't have touchscreens and stuff. But I feel like with a Tesla, their, their in-car system is so good, so strong, that I'd rather have this share sheet thing where I share a location from my Maps app to the car. Um, and like my, my car knows my calendar. My car has access to my emails. My car has access to my texts. All of this is because through the Tesla app. So even though I don't have Android Auto and CarPlay support in the car, um, my experience is not diminished by any, by any means. And in fact, they're about to add Netflix playback so that when I supercharge, I can watch Netflix on my car um, or if I'm stopped on the side of the road or whatever. Uh, right now you can do web browsing. Uh, you can actually web browse while you drive, which is, you know, this is one of those gray areas that Tesla lives in where they're pushing the envelope a little bit, I think. Um, why would you do that, right? You wouldn't do that. I never do that. But you can. I surf in Gadget when I'm bored usually. I just go, oh, let's mm -hmm. see what Roberto wrote today and just go <laughs> in Um, You know, I used to, like, those of you who don't know this podcast very well, I'm just happening to come to the show today and go like, oh, a show about EVs on a, on a podcast called Mobile Tech Podcast. Well, mobile technology includes devices you can step into, in my opinion, not just devices you put in your pocket. So there's no better device you can step into than an EV that's basically just a tablet on wheels. Um, and so... 
Uh, I used to work at Engadget. I used to run all the phone beat there for Engadget, uh, basically what Chris Velasco's job is today. So uh, I'm pretty fond of you folks and your writing, all of you all. So, you know, I, of course I'm going to go to Engadget when I'm, uh, when I'm bored on the, in my car waiting for charging or whatever. And, and uh, you know, the waiting for charging is really like basically 45 minutes to 50 minutes for full charge. And usually I go find, get some food, go to the bathroom. Oftentimes I'm like, oh, it's finished. I'd better run back to the car because Tesla charges you overage if you stay parked yeah. and plugged into a supercharger, which is very smart and encourages to but you get, But you get a, you get an, a, you get a notification. Oh yeah, you get a notification, but you know. You can say 80%, you're like, okay, let me finish my meal. Totally. Pay my bill. You don't have to like jump but up and run. But my point is that <laughs> half the time, Roberto, I'm at the, I'm at, I'm just finishing, like it catches me by surprise. You know, I'm like, Oh crap, I thought I was going to have time to go through that email inbox and fire off a bunch of responses. Oh, I got to get back on the road now. That, that's that's completely changed my 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 experience of long distance driving. You know, when I had a gas car, like when I used to join my Boxster S from say Portland to SF, it was just like stop for as little time as possible, like just pee, get some crappy junk food, get back on the road and just, <laughs> just eat eat away that time, you know? Now I'm just yeah. like, oh, great. I get to supercharge. I got an hour. I can do some emails. I can like catch up on Facebook. I can eat some real food. And then I'm like, oh, crap. An hour's gone by. Oh, my notification for my supercharger. I better go out there and unplug, you know? It's kind of the reverse. It's really funny. What also reduces the fatigue of driving. I think the, the you know, I've driven from here to Kansas City I drove from, here, from, from my hometown to Kansas City once, and I drove 20 hours straight. And that's wow, a stupid, that's I mean, I was in my 20s, I was like 22. But that's stupid. No one should be driving 22, 20 hours straight. That's ridiculous. That's rough. <laughs> but if I'd yeah. had like, if, and, you know, the electric car, it, you know, it, it, good or bad about this, but it does sort of force you to stop and relax and just like recharge. And it's because it's so quiet, all of them are so quiet. You only have to deal with road noise, like tire noise and wind noise. Honestly, it makes you, it, it's more, it's like, you know, how you, when you finally discover the joy of wearing noise canceling headphones on flights and you're like, how did I live without this? It's making me a lot more relaxed and less stressed simply because I don't have all this noise all the time. You'd be surprised on long trips how much less noise makes a difference in keeping you rested. And then on top of that, on the on some cars like the model three having autopilot where you're basically supervising the car driving itself and you just have to watch out for things um it's tough because i'm a very involved driver so i don't actually use autopilot that often but i have to say that on like when you drive from reading to san francisco pretty much a straight line on i5 and then you know you get off of 505 and 80 uh i pretty much have an autopilot the whole time because all i'm looking for is making sure that you know, there's not a box or a tire on the road that I need to avoid last minute or like, I don't mm -hmm. have to do anything else because it's mm -hmm. so good at it. Now on the hilly mountainous parts in Oregon, it's not as good because it tends to be more cautious than I would be as a driver. So I actually can drive much faster in the mountains with the car if I drive it manually. Also, and the thing you learn about electric cars is all that torque is amazing because, you know, on a gas car, when you go up a hill, it doesn't matter how fast and powerful your gas car is. You go up a hill, you can hear the engine is working harder, right? Mm -hmm. um, on an electric car, you don't, it's like, it doesn't care. It's like, oh, 
It, you don't even feel like you're losing power in any way, shape, or form. Your foot stays on the accelerator in the same exact angle. Your speed is, say, 65 or 70. You're driving on a flat, and then there's a hill that comes up. Your car doesn't slow down. It's doing 65 and 70 because you haven't moved your foot or you're on cruise control. Because, you know, it can instantly compensate, and you just draw more juice out of that pack and, you know, basically, like, suck more electricity out of the battery. But your car doesn't feel it. You don't feel it as a human. My favorite thing is when I'm going up a steep hill on I-5 and I literally like push, press the accelerator pedal and I just like just, just teleport myself up the hill three or four, you know, semis ahead in like a blink of an eye and the car doesn't even break a sweat. Like I've driven powerful gasoline cars that struggle with that. You know what I'm saying? Like struggle with that instant like, you know, teleporting up a hill thing. Because you're teleporting on flat is one thing. Teleporting up a hill is a whole different thing. And that's, it's kind of an incredible experience in that sense. So, you know, your mileage may vary, but I'm pretty sure that in a Kona and a Nero, you'd, you probably wouldn't feel the effects of hills very much either because of all that torque. It's just there. It's ready to it's go. It's just there all the time. It when gets you're very ready, it's ready. It does. It's just boom. It, 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 and yeah. it's like a wall of torque. It's just like it never ends. It's just like mm. it keeps going. You know how when you have a fast gasoline car, it still has to switch gears and there's this fraction of a moment, even if you have like the best dual clutch transmission, like a Porsche PDK or something, where it, yeah, it has to stop delivering torque to the wheel for just a brief moment. That does not exist on EVs. It's just, yeah, just continuous. It's just, it's just there. You're not, yeah, you, you don't, you're not downshifting to come out of a corner. You're just stomping. You're stomping on the accelerator and there you go. It's just magical. So, um, that being said, um, let's talk about the high end side of things. Um, a little bit. We've talked about kind of the more affordable Kona, Nero, Chevy Bolt, Leaf, uh, e-Golf, and there's others. I mean, I could talk about the Fiat 500e, but these are old cars. I'm trying to focus on cars that are relevant today. Um, Mm -hmm. So a bunch of companies have come out with EVs this past year that have that are trying to challenge Tesla. Uh, we've got the iPace from Jaguar, the e-tron SUV from Audi, the uh, Mercedes-Benz EQC. And honestly, they all look great. Um, I'm not a big SUV person, so those three don't really tickle my fancy. But I have to admit that, you know, you get one of the things that Tesla is weak at is, the you know, that that making you feel like you're in a super luxury, incredible, high-quality interior that the Germans particularly are really good at. Audi, oh, yeah. Mercedes, BMW, Porsche. So, you know, you get that with these three, uh, and I love that, and I miss that on the Model 3, uh, and even the Model S, in my opinion. But, but here's the thing, and I want to ask you this question, because, Roberto, this is my big Right. I see these three cars. They're wonderful. They're priced well. They have really good power and everything is nice. Some of them support over-the-air updates. Some of them have very nice ADAS uh, uh, driver assist systems. Not quite as good as Autopilot, but pretty damn great. And then I see the range and I'm like, 200 miles, go away, get lost, screw you. You're not even freaking competitive. <laughs> well, so you know, why, why is that happening? Like, How is it that these companies that have unlimited budgets and gobs of engineering expertise cannot make a car that can completely dethrone the Model 3? I don't think they're trying to dethrone the Model 3 when it comes but down why? to it. I think, it's, I think it's easy for everyone to sort of be that, well, you know, it's the Model 3 killer. It's the Tesla killer. It's the Model S killer. And it's it's like, it, it, those are like the articles for, it's the iPhone killer. I'm like, these automakers have been making cars for 
decades upon decades upon decades. And they know that they are the market will support most of them. They should be fine. And they're not really, you know, they're not what they're what they're not getting with what their sell is okay, you're not gonna get 300 miles. You're gonna get 220 I think 223 for the iPace and like 250 or something for the for the e-tron or the the EQC. Um and they're like, you know, but you're getting a luxury car, which is something that the Model X is a very nice car. It is it's not luxury. in the same league. It's it not in the not, same league. It is, it None is of the Teslas are in the same league. If you're used yeah. to that German quality or even Lexus quality, you're not going to be in that. Don't get me wrong. It's very good. It's very good, but it's not in the same league. So they have to figure out where they're going to put their money when it comes to, are they going to put it in more battery? If more battery means less luxury in the car, or are they going to make sure that that car, when someone gets into it, is still a Mercedes? They're like, okay, we're going to have to be able, when people get into this Mercedes, it has to be a Mercedes first and foremost. If they're going to get into this e-tron, it has to be an Audi first and foremost. Same thing with the I-Pace, same thing um, Although I feel Jaguar kind of went outside their normal formula. That car looks and feels very different from any Jag previously. Maybe the E-Pace is the closest thing. Or yeah. F-Pace, you know. But those, like the I-Pace is really like a spaceship, kind of like Teslas are in many ways. But I feel like the e-tron and the EQC are much more conservative. And that's fine. I'm okay with that. I just feel that they're also too conservative on range and on ADAS features and on charging infrastructure and on over-the-air updates, which if I ever want to go away from Tesla right now, that's the big problem. The people who spend money on a Tesla, who love it, cannot go to anything else to get that experience again. And I that's want true. them to I mean, be it's, able it's to... A, it, and that's the thing. It's a, it's a give and take, especially right now, because they are looking at their... what what they're offering to their the Tesla came out of the box they could they could have offered anything clean slate for the rest of these companies they have to they have to to come up to the standard of people have become accustomed to for their vehicles i mean the ipace is still you get in it it's still a jaguar or yeah, a so it's still a jaguar yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, you know, it's still it's still jlr you know what i mean you get in you're like okay and by the way the ipace out of all these cars is the best it drives way better than the model x it drives better than the e-tron it drives better. They, we drove it off-road and on a track in portugal <laughs> And both times I was like, yeah, I, I remember that crazy. story. That was a great this article. This is insane that this car does both of these things. It, it's still JLR, so you have to sort of, you know, you're always in you know, a British motor companies. Um, Prince of Darkness. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, these, <laughs> makes an electric these, car. Ouch. Yeah. But, you know, these, these, these automakers are, you know, they have to figure out where they're going to put their money and not sort of blow the budget. I mean, you know, Tesla decided. You know what? The interiors, they're going to be pretty sparse, but there's going to be a lot of battery in there for these guys. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. my biggest issue with Tesla is not that the interiors are sparse and simple. I love that. My inter my issue is that as somebody who's owned Porsches, Audis, Mercedes, and BMWs, and, you know, Japanese cars, but not high-end ones, I'm, I'm more a fan of the cheaper Japanese cars, like the BRZ mm -hmm. and, the, and the Honda Civic Type R and those cars. I'm yeah. a big Honda Acura person myself, a big Mazda fan as well, Subaru fan. But when it comes to luxury, to me, it's German all the way. And I have to say that what I want is just slightly better materials. And, you know, some controls, like I love the touchscreen on the Tesla. It's super well done. But it's weird to me that on the Model 3 in particular, you know, they decide, hey, let's do everything on the screen. But then they still have seat controls on the seats. Like, 
how did they half-ass this? Why not have the seat controls on the touchscreen? <laughs> Why not have, like, the only switch that should exist, if by their reasoning, should be the hazard sign because, you know, for, because it's, for, yeah, the for law. Like, warnings, right? Because that's the law. And, and, and that, that exists. It's in the, up on the center console on the ceiling. And, and it's a bit, but a weird place, honestly. I, I like it much better on the dash myself. But, mm-hmm. but that's weird that they now have, they, they have controls for the seats on the seats. And some people said, well, it's because that way, you know, you don't have to turn on the computer on the touchscreen. The seats always work. Like the seats, you can adjust the position of the seats, even if the car is basically turned off. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as a repair person, if you need to take the seats out to access something, you know, you need to be able to move the seats. Yeah. And maybe that maybe there is a legal precedent there, whereas the but steering wheel could, column and... You could still have it. You could still have the control. It could also be in on, the system. exactly. Because I think Cadillac does that. Yeah. <laughs> and my, my thing is that, and then the other thing that really drives me nuts that I feel like I want to tweet at Elon every time, like, Elon, how cheap can you guys be? There's no button to open my glove box. I have to go in the freaking dash oh, on yeah. the freaking screen to open my glove box. <laughs> like, like that is a 10 cent part. Okay. Like, come on. Every, every um, 10 Honestly, cents. the rest, like the mirrors and steering wheel, you don't use those often. You don't adjust those often. I don't really care that's on the touchscreen, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people are like, well, the design. I'm like, well, you, you have to understand that a lot of that design for the Teslas, especially for the Model 3, is based around price. Because well, yeah. dashes, consoles, all that stuff costs money. And Tesla, you know, they were trying to hit that $35,000 mark. And, you know, they got close at 40. It's, I think, pretty much where, they're, where, they're, where we've settled at with, you know, the lowest low Model 3 you can get. Um, but you know, again, they're you know they're shoving a lot of battery and a lot of ADAS hardware into each and every one of those cars, regardless of whether or not you and buy autopilot. The it's best there. motor technology, the most efficient motor technology, the best cooling on batteries and motors that of any any other car maker right now, they're so ahead because they've been doing this for so much longer than everyone else um, in terms of drivetrain and stuff. It's interesting to me. That, you know, my other gripe, if I have any, is, you know, you know, the, I guess the, it's not that the interior feels cheap. It's definitely Spartan and I like that. It's just that the materials could be better and the build quality. Mine is pretty damn good, like compared to some early, early ones. And it's mm-hmm. gotten even better since then. But I still feel like it's built. It feels like a high-end Volkswagen um, from like five years ago. Or a high-end Civic from five years ago, or even at a quarter or something. It doesn't feel like a modern Audi. You know what I'm saying? If you know, if you don't know what I'm saying, step in one of these cars and you'll understand. It, yeah, it's just yeah. it's it's intangibles. It's like you look at the things, you touch them, you feel them, you look at them. I just said intangibles and I said touch them. But you, you get what I'm saying. These are not <laughs> things that are make or break. But once you've experienced the luxury of an MB or a Audi or a BMW or a Porsche or something, you will know like what I'm talking about. Yeah. At that price, you expect that. But at the same time, you know, here's the thing. I had no delusions ever that when Elon said 35K for the Model 3, a lot of it was kind of like, you know, that that decontented price. It's the same thing as you can buy a Boxster uh, 718 uh, for, I think, the entry price is 60K, 62K, 65K, something like that. Good luck finding one of those anywhere in the U.S., mm-hmm. okay? 
that doesn't happen. People will tack on 10 or 20 grand worth of options and updates on that Porsche, which is the cheapest one they make, the Boxster. Um, so my point is that, you know, that's kind of the same with the Model 3. This was more like, but the thing that I'm absolutely convinced that they did right, at least for them financially, is that if you look at, remember that company in Detroit that disassembled cars for other companies and tells them like how much everything costs? What's that company called? Oh, I Monroe? Monroe Consulting? Anyway, they took apart the Model 3 and they said, um, you know, yeah, qual build quality materials could be better and certainly fit and finish, not build quality. So, But they, they said there are two things that are they were blown away by. They have never seen anything like it. Is the electronics, like the integration of the electronics, like mm -hmm. the chip density, the number of components on the circuit boards, that kind of thing. Um, they're like, it basically looks like military equipment uh, in terms of its quality. And then... The other th and density of compute, and then the other thing they said was the um, the amount of money that Tesla potentially can make per car, mm -hmm. because it's not that fancy of a car. The three, so when they sell a seventy thousand or whatever it is, sixty thousand, sixty five thousand Model Three performance, the top all range one, they're making a crap ton of profit on that car. So it's kind of like Apple with the iPhone, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, well, it's, yeah, it's because it's it's because it, at the at the low end, they're they they're either it's the either the 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 profit the profit margin is just razor thin or nothing or they're losing because of all because all the hardware that's in the low end most of it's in the high end all the sort of the base of the vehicle and then once you get to the high end you're like oh we just have to put another motor and we'll do this and now now it's faster so it's right. it's they have to sell a lot more of the high ends and you know they've positioned the car with this this ability to go fast and, 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 and it is a very fun car to drive. That's, you know, and that's where they should. I, I, I feel like if two years ago, if Elon Musk had just said, you know what, we're not going to make a $35,000 car. That's, that's, we, we, we thought we could, it's not going to work with this car. This car is not going to be $35,000 because we're, we're putting too much into it because we're a young company. And I think people have been like, you know, there would have been the haters or whatever, but I think a lot of people were like, yeah, all right, that's fine. Whatever. But it was just, it just kept like, it's like when you, 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 it's like when you have an article and you tell them you're, it's going to be due on Thursday, <laughs> it's going to be done on Thursday. And now it's Wednesday night, 11 o'clock. You're like, oh, this isn't going to be done. Oh, now what do I do now? When on Monday, you could have very easily known it wasn't going to be done. <laughs> right, exactly. It's one of those things where you promise something and you're like, oh, this isn't going to happen. And you just keep waiting and it gets worse instead of just <laughs> telling everybody, oh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to do that. You just keep, well, maybe something will happen. Like, Time will, I'll get a time machine or something. <laughs> hey, watch out. Elon might have a time machine for all we know. Um, but yeah, look, I think what I'm trying to get here too is that they make a lot of profit on each car, which is a very smart thing. As you know, Apple, that's one of their things. They make a lot of profit mm -hmm. on each device they sell. And that's why they're a very successful company. And we know that Tesla, you know, there's a lot of Tesla haters there, and especially in the stock market. And you know, I personally don't understand it. I'm like, guys, don't you want this? I mean, obviously, the oil industry and car industry doesn't want this to happen, doesn't want Tesla to succeed. I get that. But I'm just saying, like, if you're an investor, why don't you, like, why not invest? It's, it's a big risk, but, you know, it's no more or less risky than Apple, in my opinion. Apple has a lot of risks, even though they're a pretty well-established company in terms of buying stocks from them. You know, like, I just don't understand this whole attitude of, like, like you know, they've made something so incredibly unique. Why are we always you know, crapping on Tesla. Like, you I know, think a lot of I that, just, I think the crapping on Tesla comes from Tesla's CEO. 
I think Tesla's CEO said. Yeah, because Elon is the, crazy. The, he, exactly, <laughs> and he sets himself up as the, the the name in the face of Tesla, and that's. I don't I think, think he's literally crazy, but I think you know he can come across like that. Yeah, like he, I think you there's, know, there's, he's, there's there's yeah. Yeah, he's, I mean he, you're right. I, he's a person who has um, created or or helped well you know helped co-found a company and push the entire auto industry to do something that they would, they would just barely be doing now if there wasn't a Tesla. Um, and I think he's, he's, he's built this great company, but he's also the potential reason that company might fail. Yeah. Well, that's the same with, you know, Which back in the days when, when with jobs, with, with, was... with jobs, jobs was, it was yeah. insane. He was, he would, if he had stayed at Apple, he would have destroyed Apple. Like it would have died within a couple of years of him staying there, and it was good for him to go and come back and get his shit together. Am I allowed this curse on yep. this? Okay, <laughs> you know he had to get his shit together and, and sort of, and be humbled and figure out what he needed to figure out in order to come back and and build a company that that we see today that sells us a lot of iPhones. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, you know, uh, I think that's it's interesting. I mean, is again, let's talk about some of the cars that are coming that I'm excited about. There's not again, I want you know, yes, I'm biased to own a Tesla. I love it. There's so <laughs> many things it does so much better than other cars, and that's why I love it. It's not because it's there's Tesla on it or because of Elon. It's because right now, objectively, it's the best EV in the world, and that's <laughs> it. And it's gonna get, you know, hopefully it's gonna get eclipsed by something at some point. I, I want competition. I want choices. I'd love, like, I'm a big fan of Audi. I feel that, you know, especially all-wheel drive, which is the future of all cars, and the Model Three performance is all-wheel drive. If you really want to get good performance of a modern car, you need all-wheel drive. We know that Bugatti Veyron, Audi R8, etc. Audi is probably the best position, I think, to deliver something that is a direct competitor to the Model Three. Like something like an S3 electric, right? Or RS3 mm -hmm. electric. Yeah. And yet I see the range on that freaking e-tron SUV. And I'm like, and the fact that neither that and the EQC have a frunk. Like, how are you making an electric car <laughs> that doesn't have electric car features? Like, you have no motor in the front or engine. Well, you have a motor, but it's between the wheels. You have no stuff in the front. Why do you even, why not let that be used as a space to store crap? It's just my blows my mind. At least the I pace as a frunk. Um, but uh, speaking of like, so there's some products that I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping that what Audi didn't deliver with e-tron SUV, they can deliver with e-tron GT, which is their sedan. That thing um, is beautiful. It, it, it's going to be very expensive. It's going to compete directly with oh, the yeah. Taycan or Taycan from Porsche. I think those two cars are which a part funny. of the VW group. They're, the right? same. they're kind of they're, twin cars, aren't they? Sister yeah, cars? They're, they're, yeah, they're, they're sister cars. They're, they're using essentially a lot of the same everything inside both of those cars. And it's they're the both same. incredible. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I've driven one and I've stared at the other. <laughs> and, and I'm betting that this is not the Model 3 competitor. This is going to be the Model S competitor. This is going to de destroy the Model S as, as long as the charging network exists. Because here's the thing. The people who spent money on Model S's, whether it's now or back in the day and are ready to upgrade, they're, going to want, they're not going to want to give up on supercharging. They're not going to want to give up on that, on that you know, in, up, software update uh, and, and all the technology features that they have. So I really hope that 
Porsche and Audi don't just go after their existing customers, but try to pr bring a car to market that is superlative in every way so that they can lure away Tesla buyers from Tesla. And, you know, bring in Porsche 911 drivers who would have bought a Panamera turbo all-wheel drive hybrid or whatever, that insanely awesome station wagon. Not not the not the SUVs that Porsche make, but that station wagon Panamera. What is it? The it is so it's got a name. it is so much nicer. It's I so remember, cool. Remember the first thing. generation and how hideous it was, and then they're it like, was oh, ugly. And then the second that. gen is like super sexy hot babe. I know. Yeah, it's, it's you're just like you drive it now. You're like, oh my god, this is amazing. I love this car. <laughs> so I'm waiting for Taycan station wagon. Um, like the Panamera station wagon version. I know they're going to make a Taycan SUV variant, like the KN. I'm not interested in that. But the Taycan sedan, and more importantly, a wagon version of that sedan. Oh, if I have yeah. the money. If I have the yeah. money. Oh, my God. And then on the low end, I'm actually really excited by the W, the VW, the Volkswagen ID, which is going to be the e-Golf replacement. The ID brand is, is a sub-brand from Volkswagen for all their electric cars. They're also making a, an ID microbus. Uh, which is going to be the ID Buzz, which will basically be like the old uh, camper van buses and, and Volkswagen, you know, uh, vans, campers and buses. And and I have an old Eurovan, uh, the first generation Eurovan, the one with the weird five-cylinder engine and a manual stick shift. And I love that thing. Nice. It's a camper van. I have a full kitchen in it, like top pop top and water and stove and fridge and have solar panels and everything. And I want an EV version of that so bad, um, especially one where I can go long distances and charge on CCS networks. So by, hopefully by the time that comes out and I can buy one used and the depreciation happened on it, there'll be a good <laughs> CCS network out there for me to enjoy. Uh, but I'm looking forward to a Volkswagen. I think that, you you know, I can understand your fears around the e-Golf being such a great car to drive and hopefully Volkswagen doesn't water down the ID experience. But I think that because they're a European maker and they come from Europe and they're going to sell ID to Europe as well, it's going to be well-sorted in terms of driving experience. Very few Volkswagens are not good driver's cars. You know that, yeah. right? So I don't yeah. see that they're, being I, an issue. And they, with the lower you know, center of gravity, I feel like they're they're going to they're gonna deliver on it. And, you know, I, uh, Dieselgate was horrible and um, they deserve everything that they've gotten for that. People going to jail, huge fines, so on and so forth. But at the end of it, on the other side of it, that uh, the Volkswagen group, the entire group, is, is um, they are embracing you know evs in a way better than other, anyone else better yeah better than anyone else i know bmws they, they've been playing the long game trying to get they've their, their factories really up and running themselves up i feel like they, they're well, they, the loser in like, the story they've been playing this long game and i just feel like they move slower than they should have in this because they were like oh we're going to build these modular you know we're making the factories so we can have these modular cars but i feel like it, sh it should have happened two years ago I mean, they had the i3 and the i8. They had the right? i8. Yeah, and then they just sort of sat on and it. And then they kind of sat on it. Yeah, I feel like they're two years behind where they should be as a company right now when it comes to I think to they EVs. messed it up, I, and I'm a big fan of BMW, don't get me wrong. To yeah. me, if I had to buy a BMW right now, without a doubt, without even blinking an eye, would be an M2 all day long. Like just The M2 competition is amazing. Absolutely incredible. Just amazing. So, I love BMWs, but I feel like they really screwed things up. The i3 was is a, not is a nice car to drive, but it's not a it wasn't competitive when it came out. Never yeah, mind just, now. And the i8 weird, is a hybrid. Car. It's it's a great car, yeah. the i8, but it's a hybrid. I want a pure yeah. EV that looks like that. That's super fast. 
I think what what I think that what might have happened is that they saw that they were they they had lost market share to to Mercedes, and they were like, okay, let's work on the gas the gas line, you know, the the, the ICE engine, the, the internal combustion engines, uh, and and try to get try to make up some of what we've lost to Mercedes and the EV the EVs suffered because of that. Yeah, no, but it's sad. It's sad. Yeah, they were so well positioned. Yeah. Uh, and then we talked about Audi. Audi, there's going to be the Tron GT, which is going to be the super luxury Model S competitor. But hopefully, we can see that trickle down. I want to see like an A4, A3 competitor from Audi that takes on the Model Three. And you know, wouldn't it be incredible if BMW made a three series EV that doesn't even look different than the regular three series? That's what I want to see. I want. That's I want their to see planned. A, that I want to see a car. Yeah, but they're going to adapt the gas architecture to be EV and that's going to be full of compromise. I want a car that under the shell is completely different, has the layout for the battery between like as a skateboard setup, right? Mm -hmm. But then on top has, looks like an, a, a three series. And then the gas one has a completely different floor pan. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what they need to do. That's modular. Like that's the real modular. Like, and then it has a trunk and a frunk if you have the EV version. If you don't have the EV version, you don't get the frunk. That's what we need to see coming from the big makers, and I think <laughs> you're a you're a you're a huge fan of Franks. I, this is what I've learned today. You love Franks. Well, my Porsche has <laughs> one. My my did have one because I don't have it anymore. I sold it just now recently. But my Porsche had one. All Porsches, most Porsches that are 911s or or Boxster Caymans mm -hmm. have them. And and the Frunk in my in my Tesla, it's like the secret compartment where you can leave stuff that nobody can get to. It's great. There you go. I love my friends. That's why I like them. But look, I'm just saying, right? Look, why you're gonna why waste that space is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And and ideally, a lot of it is like uh, radiators and stuff is what people are putting up there. And there's there there they could they could um, engineer that area to actually have a front. Like some of them, you're just like there's a lot of just sort of empty Nothing. space up here <laughs> <laughs> yeah. there's just there's 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 lines going from left to right and front and back you know the like cooling lines but they they there's plenty of room below them they could have moved those lines yeah it's just weird but hey it is what it is so i mean there's uh, there's definitely stuff to look forward to what uh, i mean other than the id from volkswagen what uh, what do you have on the horizon that you're excited about that's affordable that people can potentially consider buying that are in that same kona nero bolt range in price oh that might be gosh coming. you know the thing i'm most excited about is that that little honda that's never that's never coming to the united states never coming to the u.s yeah i know what's it called <laughs> the little again? honda the the urban whatever they, urban they, e, it's had like right? the urban e yeah it's had like five different names um i was there when they had when they unveiled it at frankfurt and i lost my goddamn mind when i saw it because I it reminds that. me of a you know a late 70s early 80s honda civic which those cars are amazing oh awesome and and you know i i've where, where am i gonna go see i'm I've seen it a couple more times when they did the the near production and the pre-production unveiling, and every time you can't help but fall in love with that car. And it's going to have, I think it's 120, 130 miles. It's only being sold in Europe. They, I've been told, I have heard, I haven't heard officially from Honda, but I have heard through the grapevine that if enough American customers hassle Honda, they will bring it to the United States. But I still don't think they're going to do that. I think they, that needs they, to happen Honda so is, hard. 
Yeah. Honda Honda is a very very conservative company when it comes to that sort of stuff. And they're like they will look and they will have a spreadsheet and they will say unless we can we can, you know, put out we can sell 50, 175,000 of these units in this country, we are not going to spend the money to get it ready for the United States. Because Robbie but wants it. <laughs> they gave us the S2000 and the most recently the Civic Type R and prior to the, prior to the S2000, the Integra Type R. So sometimes some of the bean counters or engineers get it right over there at Honda. But they have to like, you wait. You have to wait and they have to look and they have to... You have to come beg. On, come on. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah so how I do you feel the Honda Japanese... Multiple times. How do you feel the Japanese are positioned? Toyota is finally admitting that maybe they should be making battery EVs, that their hydrogen pipe dream is never going to happen, because I think the hydrogen pipe dream is never going to happen, um, and and that uh, perhaps hybrids is not the only thing. And it's good to see them turn around on that, but when do we expect cars from the Japanese that are pure battery EVs that compete with you know, the Koreans and uh, the, the the more affordable American? And well, I guess other than the Nissan Leaf, which is the only one there right now. What do you yeah, think is going to happen in that, in that realm? I feel like Toyota and Honda waited too long. Uh, Kia, Hyundai, like... Uh, Kia and Hyundai are doing what Toyota and Honda... What you think Toyota Honda would be doing right now? That's that's where exactly. Kia Hyundai are right now. Kia Hyundai is killing it. Yeah. Their cars are every car you get in. You're like, you have to pinch yourself because you you have this sort of preconceived notion of what a Kia or a Hyundai is, and then you get in the car and you're like, oh no, they're better. It's <laughs> exactly is, what it was like when Japanese cars in the '80s were at their heyday. Yeah, I feel it's like 1988 all over again. It's like yeah. You know, like you see, like what is that? Uh, what is that Hyundai or Kia? I can't remember which model that is. It's the rear-wheel drive sedan that they make. That yeah. just it takes on the BMWs. What's it called? You know the one I'm talking. Oh, it's the, a Kia, the, the the um, the Genesis. I mean, the Genesis is the luxury one, but then there is. Uh, you're is googling it. The it. G70? Yes. No, no, no. The one that's much more sporty than that, Stinger. Oh, the Kia Stinger. Stinger. Oh, I thought you about the the. Lux- oh yeah, the Stinger is crazy. No, I'm talking about the rear-wheel drive sporty car that takes on the BMWs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, that car is mind-bogglingly good for the money. And you're just like, how? Kia. Right. Kia. So don't, 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 don't worry. <laughs> the Koreans are going to be ahead of the Japanese, especially the Japanese yeah. don't have EVs to talk about. Uh, other than, oh, that, that leaf is dreadfully old now. It really needs to be completely redone. Um, but hey, a, I mean, the, I know the leaf is a, it, is a tool. It is a yeah. it is a hammer but it's also, to hit a nail. It's also, and that's yeah, it. Yeah, but it's also so low tech. Like, how did they make a second gen of that product and not cool and heat the battery? Because what they exactly were they thinking at, there? I feel like uh, you know, I feel like they looked at a spreadsheet and said, if we just update this a little bit and do this, we're going to sell a shit ton of these, which is what they sold with the original leaf. And I'm but sure that didn't happen like, because it's a completely different climate. Yeah, yeah, I think they 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 sort of shot themselves probably in although it's this pretty yeah. popular in europe it I'm, turns out it's still yeah i there yeah i saw a ton of them in norway while i was there a lot of e-golfs too yeah well listen we should wrap it up um it's been a good conversation thanks so much for you know bringing your expertise here i mean obviously i don't get to drive as many cars as you in terms of reviews because you are really the auth the automotive coverage for engadget that's your area right that's um, my jam so yeah, so you get to play with all the toys. Um, 
So as such, uh, thanks for all your insight. And in conclusion, I think this is an exciting time. I think some really good stuff happened in this past year. And there's definitely a lot of more stuff to come that's really exciting, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. I think it's it's just going to get... It's just going to get better because I think all the automakers are now, they're all on board for EVs. Um, the ones that already have a sort of a leg up, the, the Hyundais, the, the Audis, the Teslas, whoever, everyone else who's already making EVs, the Chevys, they're going to make their EVs better. And, you know, it was, Isn't it's, Kia coming out with a Soul that's got the same technology as the Nero? Oh, the Kia Soul? The yeah, EV? Yeah, the new Soul it's EV. Awesome. I, it's going to be the, the same. It's going to be the same I, range, right? Same range as the Nero. It, yeah, I drove it in Korea. It was amazing. How was it? It was ridiculous. Well, first of all, the Soul is an amazing car. Like that's that's one of those cars where you're like, uh, I, I I broke my leg a few years ago, and I couldn't drive our car because you know we have a manual Stick, transmission. Yeah. So I was renting cars from like you know like uh, like a Zipcar type uh, scenario. Right. And the first one I got, the only thing that was available was a Kia Soul, and I was like, ah. God damn it. All right, fine. I've I got the in soul, it. Man. I, got I knew in the it. soul I drove... was a secret sauce. Yeah, I drove five miles. I'm like, this car is amazing. And now yep. the EV, they had a, they have an EV version that's out now. And now yeah, the but new it's not one, competitive. It's great. It's great. It's a wonderful car. I drove it around Korea. I loved it. It's, you know, but that the low new center one, of gravity makes it drive even better. There's a new one. I drove the new one. The new, I the, yeah, new the new is going to yeah. be great. I think the it's old EV was not competitive because you know it's just like had less than a hundred mile range or whatever. It was like but, it was it's it was a, little, a bit like the the Fiat five hundred e. Yeah, it's like a compliance which is sort car. of there. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, listen. Uh, do you want to tell the folks on the show, Roberto, where they can find you on the internets, uh, like your Twitter handle, Instagram? Uh, of course, you know you want to pimp and gadget and stuff. Do it. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm uh, the senior editor for Engadget. I cover automotive, so you can just go to Engadget.com. And if there's someone driving a car, it's probably me. And on Twitter and Instagram, I am S-T-R-N-G-W-Y-S. Strange ways with no vowels. So you can follow me, or probably not. It's it, You're better off on Instagram. Twitter is just go. craziness. Yeah. It's car. Instagram is just cars and cats. So if you like cars and, that's all and you're or cats. That's all you need in life. Cars and cats. That's all you need. Okay. Cars and cats. And I promise you, listeners, next week we'll get back to phones. But I hope you enjoyed this. I hope you felt that it was a bit different. Uh, You know, mobile devices you can walk or step or sit in and get into rather than the ones you put in your pocket. And you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankgirl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on Instagram and Twitter. Please uh, follow me there. Lots of photos on Instagram of all kinds of things. Phones, cars, uh, photos taken with phones of cars. Uh, etc etc and uh, of course Twitter um, is a good place to comment on the show and discuss the show um, finally you know there's a YouTube channel as well that you should uh, consider youtube.com slash Miriam my full name spelled out without a space if you don't know how to spell my name go to my Twitter my name is there type that into YouTube and you'll find me and you should subscribe to the channel, like the videos and all that, because these videos are compliments to the podcast. You'll see phone reviews and hands-ons and, and unboxes and things related to the phones that we all love. And it's not just phones, wearables, anything that's mobile tech. And sometimes cars. There's um, my delivery of my Model 3 is one of my YouTube videos. Check it out. And then, uh, of course, uh, 
uh, the Mobile Tech Podcast is at mobiletechpodcast.com. If you're just joining this podcast for the first time, this is mostly of uh, mobile tech, sometimes cars. And uh, it's uh, the you can find us on all the platforms, Google, Apple, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, everywhere. And if you have an old school RSS feed type um, podcast app, it's mobiletechpodcast.com. And then finally, I want to thank a sponsor, Audible. Audible.com is where it's at for audiobooks. If you like books, but for whatever reason you're unable to read a book, maybe you're driving a delivery vehicle all day and you want to listen to the books instead, you got to check out Audible. Audible.com has an incredible selection. A lot of the books are read by the authors, which is really, really cool. And more importantly, we've got a deal for you on the show. If you go in the show notes, uh, you'll find that there's a link to get a free month of Audible.com service. And at the end, if you don't like it, you can cancel. You still get to keep one of the books that you, you, you that you picked up and listened to. So, you know, there's no obligations, but you will support the show, especially if you subscribe long-term. So consider that if you're not already an Audible.com customer. I want to thank Audible for being a long-time sponsor. And I want to thank Roberto for being on the show. Thanks so much for being on. Thanks for having me on. I love talking about cars. We will do it more often. So... There you go. And you can talk about phones too. I know this because you're on Engadget. You can figure it out. I have a phone. See, it's an go. iPhone 6S. I have an old phone. Wow, that I'm, is pretty damn old. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I demand a, a headphone jack. <laughs> Good call. Well, folks, stay tuned for another show next week. We'll get back to our regular programming on mobile devices uh, that you can put in your pockets or on your wrists, etc. So stay tuned for that. And cheers, everybody. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.